fired up. Let's do it. It's the State of Combat on CBS Sports, and it's back with a bang. Mixed martial arts style coming after your ear holes. The Brian Campbell, unquestionably the voice that you hear. Hey, I'm ready to talk cage fighting with you, bro, Hams, all right? And I'm ready to hit you hard. Backed, jacked, and stacked, and underwritten by, of course, that performance-enhancing audio. Look, we might have to run and get a triple-double today. We might open up a new chapter, a new era in combat audio. No, 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 Joe Rogan. That era did not last too long. This one will last a lot longer. Loaded show for you today, fellas. Breaking down. Why do I keep saying fellas? Do I not think we have female listeners? It might be a reality, or maybe not after that sound drop. All right, but anyway, loaded show coming at you, of course, recapping all things UFC London. Boy, did Jorge Masvidal, one week after being on this show, make a leap in the public consciousness Throwing bows backstage, we will break it all down. Plus, a lot of stuff going on in the news between Conor McGregor, Tony Ferguson. Stuff to laugh about, stuff that's very serious. We'll get all into that. But before we do, man, wow. You know I want to remind you, if you like this show, please hit us up on Apple Podcast. We're now on Spotify. Hey, wherever you seduce and consume fine audio and give us that five star review and why don't you join me and welcome back my co-host fresh off that honeymoon oh yeah yeah he's brandon wise number 65 in your scorebook but number one in our hearts b-man back from the vacay on the snowy streets of Montreal, how is it? BC, I am loving life. I got a nice time to recharge, reconnect, you know. Me and the wife had some time together, five days together, walking around the streets of Montreal. Did not expect to get hit with a blizzard in the middle of That's it, true. but it was awesome. It was one of the best trips we've ever taken together. Had way too much poutine. I sent you guys a couple pictures. I swear to God, I thought I had a heart attack a couple times. <laughs> it was it was incredible. That's the only me. way I can describe it. You inspired me because I went out to dinner Friday night, my wife, the neighbors, and they had uh, poutine as an app. And I and I uh, I got I got busy with it. It's not it's not the same though. No, it's not. It's not the same as Montreal poutine. It's not the same, but uh, hey, it's, not, it's, to... it's just not the same ingredients. That's the problem. All right, all right. I'm not going to fight that. I'm not going to fight you on that. What I will ask you this is, though, what's the uh, MMA pulse in Montreal? Because the last time I was there was 2011. I saw GSP front row at the Bell Center for a big time boxing match. The place went nuts. I saw a lot of GSP around town, like gyms with his picture in the window, memorabilia in the stores. Uh, did you run into Patrick Cote at all? Where are we at here? <laughs> I did not see Patrick Cote, but it's funny that you mentioned that because I went to the Bell Center to like just check it out and see the if there was anything up there. Didn't see anything about GSP, but I did listen to the pod last week while you and Jack and Mikey were taking control of the reins, and I did actually see a couple of MMA gyms just like randomly on the side of the of the roads in downtown Montreal. Couple of, of giants in there, just mixing it up, rolling on the on the on the mats. All you know, right. Donald. Brashear. A lot of uh, <laughs> a lot of future Stefan Struves rolling around on the mats. All right, all right. I'm not a martial artist. I am a fighter. Yeah, a lot of cage fighters is what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Not a lot Pretty of much. not a lot of artists. Just a lot of big sweaty cage <laughs> fighters. 
I mean, there's a lot of art in Montreal, dude. <laughs> well, I don't mean I was talking mixed martial artists. I wasn't talking about painters on the cobblestone streets of old <laughs> Montreal. I've been to Montreal a bunch of times, but that was back when I took life a lot less serious and I did a lot of really bad things. So we really can't tell those stories, Brandon, but I hope you enjoyed your sojourn in French land. Uh, great to have you back, although Jack Crosby did uh, fill in well, that utility player. Uh, Mikey, not on the show this week, but we always love his producing skills and jumping in and out. But uh, Brando, uh, I want to talk UFC London with you. I want to talk about a lot of things. I want to talk about how you randomly dropped on me the other day that when you guys won the state title at North Boca High, you had NFL alum Keith Byers as your high school head coach. How do you just like, how does a friend tell a friend about that in passing? I seriously feel like I've told you that before, no. but whatever. No, no. What did you guys do that year? Did you guys win it all? Did you win the national no, championship? No, we did not. We lost in the second round of the playoffs. We, uh, we had a good team. Like we had one of the best teams in our school's history, but we just ran into like a weird matchup in the second round against a linebacker that was six, three and two forty. Where's he playing now? Cut. He is playing as like a barber in Cincinnati somewhere. He signed he signed a full ride to FSU, but he just didn't cut it there. All right, all right. He didn't cut his teeth there. He was probably no. We'll end that there. Um. All right. <laughs> you know that's fine. That's fine. Um. It is March Madness week. You do some editing and uh, some work on CBS Sports in in the college hoops field. You fire it up. You got the feeling. You got because when I hear March Madness, I don't really watch college hoops today, but I think of the good old days, man. You know what I'm saying? What's the what's the one buzzer beater or moment like when you hear March Madness that you're like, that's the moment. I was there. That's the moment for me. Yeah, in, in your in your fandom, in your personal I mean, fandom. I mean, there's not a fandom for me because I, I mean, I'm a Kentucky fan, but that's like family based because of my dad's side of the family's from Kentucky. But for me, my moment that I remember the most is when I was working here three years ago when it was Villanova against North Carolina in the championship game. Oh, yeah. And North, North Carolina hit like a crazy shot with five seconds left. And then Villanova got it immediately down the court and hit a pull up three to win the first ever buzzer beater for the national championship. That's pretty that was insane. wild. That's pretty insane to be in the newsroom for. Yeah, yeah. I don't think anything will top uh, the Christian Leitner shot to beat Kentucky as a fan watching. That's like a. I mean, that's just that's just insane. Uh, I didn't have anything in the bracket that year. I don't think I've really ha- have I ever won a. Bra- I hate brackets. Don't tell me about your fantasy team. Don't tell me about your bracket. But no, brackets are big business. College basketball is big business. It's March Madness. It's time, and I know why. I know that you want to win your bracket. It's a no brainer. That's why you get into it. Well, let me tell you what can help you. Sportsline can help your brother with those sought-out-after-office bragging rights. I know when you're walking around the halls at CBS Sports in Fort Lauderdale, you want to feel big. You want to feel strong. You want to feel like you have what it takes to win the office pool this year. Well, let me tell you about Sportsline-wise. Last year, their optimal bracket finished in the top 5% of CBS Sports practice brackets and called Villanova winning it all. But that's not just all. Their upset bracket called 12 of 18 first-round upsets by double-digit seeds the past three years. So here's what I want the listeners to do. Wise, if you're still listening, here's what I want you to do. Visit sportsline.com slash brackets for the insight you need to win. And State of Combat listeners, get fired up for this. You can sign up for Sportsline using the promo code FIGHT, F-I-G-H-T, FIGHT. And you'll get your first month for just $1.00. Hey, Brando, you can't beat that with a bat. Hammer can't touch that. 
Okay. You are right. All right. Hey, there it is. Big business, big brackets coming at you. All right. Uh, do you have your one championship brackets out at all for their uh, Grand Prix? You, you, you know, you... I need I need my PFL bracket, man. Oh, yeah. Hey, Ray, Ray Seffo last week on the show. He was solid. It was great. He got me a little bit fired up for PFL. Dude, I told you before, I really think PFL might be a, a decent competitor, not competitor, but I guess triple A type fight card or fight organization for UFC now that they're together with ESPN. I, I like that deal for them a lot. That gives them a lot more um, authority, not authority, but it gives them a lot more prestige by being yeah. on ESPN as opposed to NBC Sports. You know, Ray Field, the question we all had with sort of the non-answer of, you know, is this make them now a feeder league? We don't really know that. I think it's a different model altogether. I mean, look, their unique season format is different. The $1 million prize at the end for people that want to stay active, you can get five fights in a year. There's a lot that's different. I'm more interested in knowing how they can recruit people with that model because it's it's a good time to be an MMA free agent right now, as we saw Eddie Alvarez, Demetrius Johnson, Sage Northcott, on and on, what they're doing at one. Bellator trying to bring in people. Vitor Belfort going to one. I think you can go to PFL and make some money and be on ESPN now, and you might have people just tuning in going, oh, is this UFC? And just watching it. But how if you're a if you're an MMA free agent at this point, do you want to fight five times in a year, even if it means a million dollars? Like that's a lot of wear and tear. Well, not the uh, maybe not the upper upper elite, but there are people that do not like their standing within UFC. So sure, you know, and they need the money. There are people that are just hungry. They just want to fight. They're just hungry, bro. All right. I'm hungry. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. The baseball season is in full swing, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every weekday as we recap every player from every game. We'll talk waiver wire ads, drops, players to trade for, prospects who could make an impact, and everything in between. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. You're hungry to talk UFC London and Jorge Masvidal. First of all, the interview we had last week with you and him was uh, that dude was just a different cat. And he's always a great interview because he is wired differently. I mean, he comes from the same backyards as Kimbo Slice, literally, in terms of backyard fighting in greater Miami. It's just a different dude. But what a friggin' weekend for that guy. I pay, I called him a live dog on, on multiple shows and formats here, and I believe that he could win. But I didn't know if I believed it would be that demonstrative and let, leave that kind of message. Forget the Leon Edwards stuff for a second. We'll get to it. But what a damn weekend. He just beat Darren Till, and he just made a monster statement at welterweight. Putting aside the interview that I did with him, his interview with Brett Akamoto after the Leon Edwards stuff was even better, I thought. He came out with like a, another quick tagline. He said he gave him the three piece and the soda. <laughs> <laughs> wow. He, but yeah, 
he but, he done cut up your boy Leon Edwards there. I mean, yeah, he did. Uh, but to go back to the Till fight, so that starts, and I got immediately scared because Darren Till dropped him. And it was one of those where you were like, uh-oh, this could get dangerous really quick because that's the kind of fighter Till is, right? Like he wants to get in there, get you out quick, and just finish you as qu- uh, with as many punches as he can. But Jorge survived that onslaught. He said after the fight he didn't even know what he got hit with when that happened. So – that kind of scares me that he might have actually been knocked out <laughs> at that point. But to his credit, he scrambled. He got back to his feet. And, dude, that was just an amazing fight in general. Like, Darren Till will – for as much as we don't really think he's that good, he will give you all he's got. And he's going to throw as much as he can. He's going to fight – he fought at way too high of a pace in that fight trying to stay with Masvidal's speed. But – it was such an entertaining bout because they were just high speed chess. It was gonna it was only gonna end one way, and that way is how it ended for Darren Till. You know, I don't want to get labeled as a Darren Till hater, because it's not that I don't think he's good. It's the fact that I only think he's good. He might improve, he might become great one day, but he's not great now. He wasn't great when he was fast tracked to the title. And I think you ended up seeing that how it played out. Man, is he a big welterweight. I mean, really, it's freaky how big of a welterweight he is, and he did drop Masvidal. But it was Masvidal's craft, Brandon, that got him back into that fight. You got to give him credit for shaking off the cobwebs, and I know he finished him with a with a really creative looping left hand, but it was the way that he set up his punches. He really worked in fakes to, to close down that distance, and then he was... Man, there's a lot to his game, and we talked about it last week. How close was he to a title shot when he lost at UFC... Uh, right before UFC 211, right? That split, or maybe it was 211, that split decision to Damian Maya. Maya went on to fight Woodley for the title. Who knows? It could have been Masvidal. He loses that fight. Then he lays the egg against Stephen Thompson, takes the year plus off, clears his head. He's always been this guy who never could get, make that final leap. Could be his time now, man, because there's so much craft there. There's so much toughness. He's a wild man. I liked more for the technique than I did for the boom. And boy, did he lay the boom on Till. But, UFC has given Till every opportunity to succeed. And even this was, you know, a homecoming, a get well, not not a get well in terms of an easy opponent, but a we're going back to London where you're a star. Go be that man. He's not that man. And that's just the way it is. He's not. And he may, he may need to go to middleweight to either find himself or just find out that he's good but not great. And that just may be where it ends up. And that's fine, Brandon. They try to make this guy a star. He's not a star. He's not. He's a star in England. That's where it is, though. Like, he still will draw. And, I mean, they got a record crowd there, I think, right, this weekend? Or they got they got a big number regardless. But to go back to Jorge Masvidal really quickly, I'm just happy he's back because what he said in that interview that I did with him just mean – it just showed out in this fight that he needed that time off. He needed to recharge. Because going back to 2016, he fought one, two, three, four, five. He fought six times within like a 20-month period. That's way too much for him. That's Cowboy Cerrone level. That's how you get washed. And that's why what – that's kind of what happened was he lost to Lorenz Larkin with a split decision. Then he beat Ross Pearson and knocked out Ellenberger and Donald Cerrone. And he got fast-tracked because he was just looking so good and so great. And that's how you end up getting – biting off more than you can chew, so to speak, too quickly – and losing to a Damian Maia and losing to a Steven Thompson. So I think this is going to help him. I really hope that they don't force him into a bad fight 
or into a quick turnaround just trying to capitalize on him being in the news and in, in the in the consciousness right now. I hope that they give him a little bit of time to regather himself here and let him stay motivated. You know, because that's the biggest thing is if he's not motivated, then what? he's not going to look as good as he did this weekend. He needs a dance partner and he needs to be able to get his mind right to this position again where he can take on these big big name opponents. So I don't know that a title fight is next for him. I definitely don't think that should be next, even though Kamaru Usman was saying this weekend that he would prefer to take on him instead of Colby Covington, which was kind of funny. But Yeah, that why, why do you think Ali and, and Usman came out with that? Does, well, because Jorge Masvidal and Colby Covington are teammates, so they're trying to create friction within ATT to make it like, who's going to get the title fight next? It's one of you two and make you guys choose and make you guys get upset at each other about it kind of thing. Where Jorge Masvidal is not that kind of person. He's just not. See, okay, then, well, my instant reaction was different. My instant reaction was to come out and make a statement like that. And then, look, n- there's no way UFC is just going to honor that because that's what they want. But it kind of smelt to me like, do they think Colby's a tougher fight than they're acting? Do they think his wrestling can potentially counteract and cancel out Kamaru's where they look at Masvidal as a type of fight style-wise, despite how great he looked on Saturday, that's better for them. That's what I sort of wanted to examine and break into. How's Masvidal's wrestling? Is it on that level? Yeah, it's it's okay. It's not his his biggest asset. I mean, his biggest asset is his hands. He's a he's a traditional not traditional, but he's a he's a brawler. He's a he's a boxer by trade, a all street boxing, fighter by all trade. All the time, yeah. So it's interesting. I wonder where that was going. But your point on he does need to be focused. He does need to be taken seriously. He's the perfect B-side for UFC right now where you put him against bigger names and he'll rock the boat. Man, was this a tour de force weekend to show you about his personality, about that he's for real, that he don't care, that there's grit and a backbone there, that he's that dude, that you can play up the craziness and he'll live up to it if you want to. But yet at the same time, if you really hear him, I mean, he's shouting out his family in the cage. There's some depth and substance to this dude. We saw that in the interview with you, even though he sounded like he just got straight off the ball and went, went during that. But, uh, you know, you work out all day. You're going to be exhausted at the end of it. Um, Man, dude, this was a leap to say that I could get a title shot now. I don't think he will. It's crowded. But he doesn't want Leon Edwards, who he lit up afterwards in one of the more surreal recent moments we've seen, and it happened to be caught on ESPN Plus cameras. He's thinking this fast-tracks him to a title shot. I just don't see it when you got Colby sitting around there, when Askren is so hot right now. I don't see him getting any of those people. So, did he just open up a new line of credit here, giving him a, a feature fight against Leon Edwards? He may have. with, the, with, the, with the, and He could say he doesn't want it, but we got a story now. We got a storyline. I don't know that it fast-tracked him. I mean, the, the the Leon Edwards thing, I I don't have the full story, but I feel like it started because Leon Edwards was one position ahead of him in the UFC rankings, and for some reason these fighters still take those rankings seriously. And Leon Edwards probably assumed that because he was the co-main event and Jorge was the main event, getting all the love after that fight, because Leon Edwards got openly booed in England. I thought that was weird. That was wild. I, I mean, I don't want to say like racism stuff played into that, but I, I I find it hard to believe it didn't. When you're fight, when you're facing a dude from Iceland and you're in your home country getting booed by your hometown crowd, well, like it, it, they you know the announcers mentioned it and they thought it played off how 
Edwards treated Till, who's, you know, the, 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 the beloved home, homeboy at that point, how he treated him at the press conference and in the public events, sort of calling him out and, and, and trying to make a name for the look. The only thing we said about Leon Edwards coming in is that he's fantastic, but he's not really marketable, doesn't, doesn't really put himself out there on that level. I think that was his attempt to do that. So the crowd sort of turned on him. Plus, people love this Gunnar Nelson cat, man. They love this dude. Love. People love this guy, so maybe I, that I mean, probably. But anyway, that fight in the back after the after the event, I just couldn't help but laugh. Like we you, we were watching this hat play out in like real time, and we're just kind of like, wait, they they like got in a real fight? Like hands were thrown, or was this a shouting match in the back, like Colby and Kamaru? No, they threw hands. Well, Jorge threw hands. <laughs> I'm blown away that it escalated to that, that no one jumped in. You're right. When I first heard that, oh, the scuffle, it's like a push. Maybe one punch hit the side of a guy's face. No, he gave him a three-piece straight up with with the cup of soda inside of chips. And he cut his eye. He bloodied him instantly. Man, Jorge is that dude. Brandon, I, I hope, and, and Dana White, of course, came out afterwards and was like, you know, how did this happen? Blah, 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 blah. And I really hope that Masvidal gets no punishment. And that the UFC realizes how marketable it is when stuff like this happens. I know that there's times when it's when it's not good. 229, not good. Look like thugs are us. Look like unsafe to be in the building. But this, this is this is what NASCAR used to do back when NASCAR was hot. You remember those days? Let them fight. Let it, let there be beefs. Let people like like. If you're going to call a guy out and walk toward him like Masvidal told Okamoto, where I come from, if you put your hands up and you walk toward a person, you're going to fight. So, man, that was great. That was great. The, that's what I was saying. Like the, the Akamoto interview was just so amazingly Jorge and so Miami, by the way. Just I walk towards somebody with my hands behind my back. I'm not trying to fight you. But if you put your hands up, you best be ready to fight. I mean, that's very Miami, but it's not Boca. So don't act like that. <laughs> So, yeah, like I, I mean, we're gonna see that fight next, right? Like, I, I don't know we who need else to we're see hate. that fight next because it makes a lot of sense in the rankings. Look, Leon Edwards came out tough fight, gets his seventh straight win, gets the split decision. I'm sorry, split decision against Gunner Gunner Nelson. I'm sorry, uh, but Edwards is on some roll right now, and we can break into that Edwards uh, Nelson fight in in a second, but. This makes sense to find out, to eliminate guys, find out who's next in the rankings. And when you have a fight now with a grudge in it that you can show that video, we sat through months of the damn dolly going through the window and UFC not backing away from that. You know how you sell this fight? You make it the main event of a fight night on ESPN and you play the video of him lighting Edwards up. It's not that hard. It's called promotion, Brandon. By the way. Just to backtrack a little bit because we got a little sidetracked. Darren Till, I think now, like you said, maybe middleweight makes more sense for him where he can be a little bit stronger perhaps. He won't be as quick, but he will be a little bit stronger. His power will probably translate better, kind of the way Anthony Johnson's power translated once he moved from 170 to 185. He might be quicker, though, with not having to... You think so? Trim himself down. Some, I mean, you know, moving up from a smaller weight class against larger opponents, you could end up with a speed advantage. There. But if he doesn't, can we finally see him against Ben Askren? Like, please? Yeah, Big Ben was there. Not Big Ben Rothwell. Not that absolute weirdo. Right now, there is not a man in this planet 
that can stop me inside this octagon, and only politics can slow me. Well, uh, uh, last week another guy stopped you, not just politics, <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, Ben Askren with the T-shirt, by the way, in the crowd. Look, yeah, he he's there. To, he was there to mix it up, but yeah, I, I would love that fight. But here's the thing: Askren's either going to fight Lawler again, or they're going to fast track him into something big. So you're not going to face Till coming off a loss. But what's big, though, is is it him against Colby? For Askren, I'm saying. Or I'm sorry, for Till, I'm saying. Till's coming off coming off two losses now. It's 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 he's going to be further down the rankings. He needs to get well, you know, as as much as there is get wells in UFC. He's going to fight another guy coming off a loss. (sighs) Man, look, this damages the brand, man. I don't know what they. I know what they saw in him, but. There were warning signs that he wasn't that dude. He didn't beat Stephen Thompson, and he missed weight like a base tard, Brandon, like by a lot. I think he's perfect for the slot that they had him in for this fight, though. Just have him headline the UFC on ESPN Plus events over in England for the next couple of years. And if he goes up in the rankings, great. But if he doesn't, that's where he stays because he still is. He will still draw for that crowd. I don't know how well he'll draw here for a fight night event, but in England, sure, that's a good spot for him. Well, he's going in the wrong direction. It's all coming up Masvidal right now. And um, do you think he beats Edwards? Masvidal? Yeah. Yeah. I, dude, I said it on Saturday when we were watching this fight. I hate that welterweight has just become a, a, a division of grapplers. Like, I want somebody like Masvidal. That's why I got behind Till was because Till was a – break the mold kind of guy right now at 170 who is actually a slugger that wants to fight instead of just lay lay and pray i i think that masvidal has the game to knock out leon edwards but if edwards gets on top of him i have no idea how that fight ends up well i think in masvidal's favor is he he does well he does better with chaos than a lot of these guys he comes from chaos he is chaos Leon, if you can get Leon Edwards out of his game and make it more of an emotional fight, it's going to play into his fat. And, you know, and you saw, where did this Edwards quote come from when he said, Jorge, fair play, sneaking your shots in when you could, but now you're effed. If security wasn't there, you wouldn't have made it back to the U.S. I'll see you soon. Was that a tweet? I think that was a tweet. Uh, Masvidal's hot, man. I mean, now we get into Edwards against Gunnar Nelson. This wasn't a dominant performance. This was no. a move the chain seven in a row. Look, not every fight's going to be that way. And Gunnar Nelson coming in, a lot of people liked him in this matchup. But Masvidal makes that a war. He's coming out with it. But fair play to Leon Edwards in that fight. He did land an elbow to the orbital bone of Gunnar Nelson that in any other fighter probably stops them. That was gross. Because that hematoma got large very quickly. <laughs> so... I think that had more to do with how strong um, Gunnar Nelson's chin and will was as opposed to Edwards not being able to get the finish. And again, I will point this out for the entire card. The scorecards on the on this event and the judges had no idea what the hell they were doing. They were all over the damn place with those numbers. They were. They were. And it's been bad lately. But how could it not be bad lately? There's still I mean, look, this debate is is old. But it still makes it still like you're using a boxing scoring system and you have some states that encourage judges to score more 10, eight rounds and other states that don't like it. It couldn't be more backwards and messed up. Get a unified system. Figure something out. 
I, I don't know exactly what the answer is, but three judges doing a boxing judging system is not the answer. So uh, what are you going to do? You, they got to experiment with something. They got to. They have to. It's time. It's time. I, I guess. At the I just very don't... least, don't have different rules for each state. Why? It makes no sense. I just don't know what's, what's it going to take to get something to overturn how they've been scoring fights. Like, is it going to take Dana White getting really mad at one of these scorecards or these officials stopping a fight? Like, <laughs> I don't know. I, you know, I've, I've had that debate in boxing a lot for the big fights, which we see in boxing a ton. Every, every, every major fight, we see one scorecard that makes no sense. And you're like, well, what if you did five and you took out the highest and the lowest? That should get you close to an aggregate or whatever. I, I just think like in MMA, like, overhaul the whole thing come together why have these why have this be an issue it's that's the worst it's the worst in boxing it's almost expected it's a carnival ufc doesn't need this it it doesn't need it brandon there it is i'm telling you all right i agree um look welterweight's kind of fun and hot right now and we're obviously going to talk about this weekend's fight when stephen thompson faces former lightweight champion anthony pettis that's also in the mix how do you sort of handicap what comes next now i mean do you think we get Usman Covington, so that means that Lawler probably has to face. I'm sorry, that means Askren probably has to face Lawler again, or could Jorge get pumped up to face Askren? Or could Lawler get pumped up to face Askren? No, Jorge. Jorge. Um, I mean, Ben kind of went over there with the assumption that he's fighting the winner of Till Masvidal, so I could get behind that. I. I think those two would be perfect foils for each other to sell a, a headline, a, a plus event, or be on a pay-per-view card together. It would be good fun, I think. I I think that's a – I don't know if that's a good matchup though for Masvidal just because of the wrestling and how strong Ben is with his wrestling. Because like if he doesn't land the shot that Robbie Lawler landed to start that fight – I don't know how that's going to go. Like, I don't see how that goes in his favor. Yeah, if I'm UFC, I realize you got two personalities right there. Don't put them against each other because the fight's not that large. So use them in other fights and you can hope that they can keep climbing the ladder. So uh, I like where this is going for this division because I wasn't as up on this division a couple fights ago when Woodley was running through everybody and you were sort of running out of names. So we are going in a good direction, Brandon. Let's talk about the light heavyweight division. Because you know I want Jones out of here. I want him that heavyweight. I want the new blood to get a chance and figure out who's who. But new blood Dominic Reyes, who I couldn't have been higher on coming in. I really thought out of all that group, including that clown Johnny Walker Red that you love, in all those light heavyweights, I thought this was the guy. Gets the win over Vulcan Ozdemir by split decision, but in no way did he deserve it, Brandon. And in no way did he take a step forward. This was a step backward. I'm going to give Vulcan, who I have been harsh on in the past, a lot of credit for using his strength, but using his smarts to to pull off what I thought was a close but clean decision win. Yeah, this was a bad weekend for your boy. Um, he looked lost at times in that fight. Like He just had no idea what Vulcan was trying to do. And this was one of those fights where the judges' scorecards, you're just like, how the hell did you give any of those rounds to, to Dom? Like he got beat up pretty well in that fight and it didn't look like Vulcan had a scratch on him after the, after the three rounds. So it's kind of like, I guess I could see the wrestling. I guess I, 
it seemed to me that Vulcan thoroughly dominated for three rounds, and yet two of the judges still gave two out of three to Dom. It was it was a really weird fight, but it's one of those where it's like, all right, he got past it, he's moving on, whatever. Don't have to speak of this fight ever again. <laughs> Hopefully he gets that next step up in 205 because 205 needs him. And you can make the argument that if Vulcan wins that fight, you're even more confused about what, what to do with 205 because it's just a cluster. It is, and it needed Dom Reyes. You're right. And I, look. John Jones, get your together. I'm waiting for you. I hope they're waiting for each other at heavyweight because I think it is time for John Jones to go. No one else seems to agree with me on that. But I think it's time to find out who's next at 205. And this, this does keep the conversation strong that it would be Reyes moving on. And now you're going to have that June 1st fight, Anthony Smith coming back really quick after that loss to John Jones, where he didn't even want to come back. He was very honest about it. He's going to face Alexander Gustafson. and that's a very interesting fight. I, I almost feel we need an unofficial tournament here and, and put the title vacant and find out who is the guy. I mean, do you disagree or agree with me? Do you want to see John Jones one-by-one one pick off a of Tiago Santos, a Dom Reyes, or Johnny Walker and give these guys maybe an unnecessary first loss when we know Jones's future is above and there's bigger money fights to make there? So you're saying we should make a bracket? I'm saying we should go on sportsline.com slash brackets. Yes. <laughs> no, I, I 100% agree with you. I think we talked about this a couple of weeks ago when after John Jones won against Anthony Smith, it's like, if he stays at 205 now and, like you said, just starts picking off these smaller names that don't really carry much weight in Tiago Santos, Johnny Walker, Red, Dom Reyes, if he starts just doing that, does that hurt his legacy? Like there's nothing helping here making more of like the quote-unquote greatest of all time argument for him because like well, – what... It just adds length to where – I think it just adds a little more length to the legacy he's already built which is right. the greatest light heavyweight of all time and maybe the greatest fighter of all time. But to solidify the greatest fighter of all time, it's heavyweight where you can do that. But th- uh, that's what I'm saying. Like this to me, if he continues to do that path where he's just taking out Santos, Ozdemir, like whatever, if he's just taking out those guys at 205, he's not getting past GSP or Anderson Silva in my mind. And especially in the way that he he did it against Anthony Smith, like if this is what John Jones becomes now, that's not impressive to me. You know, like that's that's just boring. That was a it was technically sound and amazing like uh, technique, but it's not entertainment. And that's what we kind of want. Right. We want to see him knocking dudes out. And if he's not doing that at 205 and it's against slower level competition, that to me, it's not improving legacy and it's almost making it worse i mean it's it's just it's tiny steps forward or or lateral steps but the whole point is if somebody like a johnny walker could be a thing or could be a next big thing you don't want him fighting john jones anytime soon you want him to get a chance to become that thing so open up this division and find out if he is have him you know what i mean And, and make like i mentioned sort of an unofficial tournament so He's going to have to beat a guy like a Dom Reyes or a guy like a like a Anthony Smith or Augustuson to get there. Time for Jones to go. Business to be made here. That's just interesting. That decision that Smith had himself in, where you know he wanted to go rest his rest his mind and his body and be with his family, and now it's right back into training camp. How do you turn up? And now how do you turn down an opportunity to fight somebody like Augustuson 
in a main event, which is going to put you right back in the title picture. It's a tough spot to be in. It's weird. You either could look at it as they're, they're cashing him out, or you could look at it as, hey, company man, thank you for not winning the title by DQ. Here's another chance to get right back in it. It's, it's very interesting. Oh, man, the fact that you just said Anthony Smith and title picture again, if he beats Alexander Gustafson, made me like gag a little bit. Well, yeah, but it's not your decision. I'm the boss. I'm the boss. It's my way and no other way. End of story. End you know? of story wise. Yeah. Close the book. Yeah. So back the F up. All right. Uh, <laughs> anything else from UFC London that tickled you right in the fancy spot? Uh, the only other one that was of note to me was, man, do I feel bad for Danny Roberts, the dude who he he gets into a firefight with Claudio Henrique de Silva, and then all of a sudden they just start grappling, and I guess de Silva had his knee wrapped. I I don't remember what part he had, but he was trying to get a submission, and the ref uh, says that he heard a verbal tap. But if you look at the replay, you don't even see Robert's lips moving. He's just breathing. And the ref just stops the fight saying, I heard you say, I heard you tap. And he broke down in the octagon. It was so sad. Like that dude probably worked so hard to get to that point. He actually trains here at with a Henry Hoof at Hard Knocks 365 with Vulcan. Like that, that was just heartbreaking for me. Um, Mark Diacasi or Diacasi. With his, he had a really big win over Joe Joe Duffy, and he was just so emotional after the fight. He didn't even really want to talk, do the post fight interview. That that was a pretty interesting moment. That was a good a feel good moment too. Um, but I think that's about it, really. Um, yeah, that's a good win for Diakessi. But that man, that moment for Hot Chocolate Danny Roberts, that stunk. That stunk bad. That was a bad call. I mean, I get like you're trying to save a guy, but he wasn't like he was get, taking a beating from strikes. Uh, you just need to see more there. Dana White, I think, hopefully will reward Roberts. He came out and sort of uh, publicly supported, it, you know, what a, what a hard luck situation is. Hopefully they almost treat this like a win in terms of matchmaking and he continue to climb the ladder because here's a guy trying to make a name for himself, and that's a tough way to go. Hey, you you down on this meatball, Molly McCann, the women's flyweight? That was the other thing I just forgot to mention. I All you saw on on social media after that fight was her shiner just covering her eye that somebody actually like photoshopped a meatball onto. <laughs> <laughs> well, cause wasn't she three years ago, she worked at a subway and she was dressed up as a meatball. Yeah. So yeah, that's great. Hey, she got her first win in UFC. That's pretty big accomplishment. Yes. Yes. There are, there are others who could not have, who could not repeat that accomplishment. So that's, that's well, well done right there. All right. Uh, Brando, let's get into the news this week. And, it's not like we're hurting for news. <laughs> there was a lot going on since this show last recorded. Uh, where do you want to start here? Because what a wild week, and McGregor was all over it. I mean, I think we got to start with him getting arrested, right? <laughs> Late last week in Miami, have you been to the Fountain Blue with at the famous Live Nightclub? Or I, look, I don't speak this language. Tell me about it. <laughs> Tell me about it. I actually have been to the Fountain Blue. It's a hotel, by the way. It's not the nightclub. Well, he was coming out of the nightclub on the inside. The yeah. world famous nightclub, all right? Yeah, so he was coming out of the nightclub, and I guess a fan wanted to take a picture with him, and Connor allegedly was okay with it at first, and then security guards just swarmed this dude, and Connor took the dude's phone, threw it on the ground, and then started stomping on it. 
And the guy was like, please stop doing that to my phone. I have like he said after he had pictures of his kids that weren't uploaded to his iCloud, which sounds like the worst first world problems you can have. But he might yeah, have it, creepy nudes in there. That's really what he was saying. It was a just oh man, well, what a weird situation. Phone. I mean, TMZ ended up with video, but it, it was it was kind of after the fact, not a great shot. So look, the, the the original takes are like, oh, this diary of a madman, this Connor's out of control, and it is sort of another step in that direction. I laughed in reality at it. The guy wasn't physically harmed. Yes, he had property stolen, but I thought it was a joke that this was a felony, strong armed robbery, like <laughs> strong armed robbery. Like, was come great. on! But I think overall there is an angle to take to the idea of like, this certainly isn't Connor going in the right direction, right? Overall, this certainly isn't like Connor taking one step closer to getting back in the cage and turning his career around, although I know subsequently we there's a news report coming out that we'll talk about that he is sort of getting closer to that. But uh, are you down with the people who say, can you not see what happened here? 5 a.m., nightclub, Connor probably not there with his girlfriend slash wife, maybe there with another lady, maybe this guy got that on tape, maybe that's what Connor was jumping in. Allegedly here, Brandon Wise I don't have information to support that theory, but that's probably what you would do if you were famous and somebody got a picture of you with another lady, right? We need a drop for, like, very loud speculation because that's all we're doing at this <laughs> point. <laughs> um, if he was a girl, but, you would say he has a donkey dog. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> yeah, that's uh... – I mean, remember the Dana White thing at the casino? Yes, I was going to reference that when, when Colby <laughs> caught that woman on camera and she scurried out of the way. No, I'm obviously joking. I have no idea on there. It, it, it's a jerk move, obviously. It's a celebrity move. We've seen it before. Even with that video, it's tough to tell who's at fault, how that started. It's stupid. It's a celebrity being stupid. It's 2019. Everyone's got a cell phone. Whatever, wise. Really, whatever on that. Um, You know, it does sort of play into, though, the continuing threat of McGregor thinks he's better than everybody. He's going to do what he wants. He's a superstar. Is he brawling with the Irish mafia? We don't really know. Is his life going in the wrong? Like, yeah, it does support that to a certain degree. But are you putting any extra, uh, any extra layers on it than what it was, which is he stepped on a guy's phone and ran away with it? No, I, I thought it was funny when, when you guys alerted me to this while I was in Montreal, I started laughing at the table with my wife because I was just like, really? Like, this is I was like the first note I got was Connor got arrested. I was like, oh, no. And then I read the actual story and I was like, yeah, that's about right. Yeah, yeah, that is that is that. But that was not the end of the Connor in the headlines this week. Dude, he's everywhere. I, I'm seeing like uh, I'm seeing a lot of proper whisk, proper 12 whiskey on my timeline. I'm seeing Dylan Dennis take it down like a whole bottle. There's no chance that was whiskey, dude. There's no chance. No, no, we. I was I was bamboozled into thinking that was whiskey at first because I sent it to you and you're like, wait a minute. There's no way he drank an entire bottle. What is that? 16 shots. I mean, I'm not saying that's impossible, but you got to be a, uh, a a diesel man. You got to be like an absolute dirt hole. Like you got to be a full on raging alcoholic. You're telling me this world class athlete, Dylan Dennis. Just, no, no, it's not. happening. Wor- wait, world class athlete. Yes. You heard it. Right He's here. fought one time. You heard it right here. He's a jujitsu phenom. Get it through <laughs> your skull. Do you think Ben Askren will accept his challenge, by the way, on, on the Internet to do that that uh, grappling tournament? He keeps trolling him, trying to get him to do it. Ben Askren would be smart to just not don't. Why would you entertain this fool? 
Yeah. Well, the Tour de Connor hit Boston this week. And um, did you like his uh, speech to the Boston Bruins about your brothers on your left and your right? Uh, look, it was it was cheesy. It was fine. That was a cool moment. There was some cool pictures and photos that came out of that. But uh, then he got a little uh, meme on the uh, the old <laughs> timeline, calling back to when he beat Max Holloway, like a 16-year-old Max Holloway many uh, years ago in 2013 UFC, which started a nice little back-and-forth business. Where are we going here? Yeah, I mean, so they they want to keep talking about this fight. I think that uh, Max even said that he's ready to do this in July if he gets through Dustin Poirier in uh, at UFC 236. We've kind of talked about this in the past where this is like one of those fights for Max that makes the most sense going forward especially if he's going to stay at 155 and like this is going to be his new home. I just don't know if that's a good fight for Connor right now, man, because Connor needs a win and I don't know if that's a win. Like Connor's not like Connor's got a big head, but he doesn't have a big head enough. Like he has to realize the other side of the argument, the same argument that Holloway's been making on Twitter. The argument goes like this. You beat me when I was like 19, bro. And you couldn't even finish me. And I've improved a hell of a lot since then, and you're possibly declining. Like, Connor has to see that, or do you think Connor's head is so big that he goes, oh, Holloway, I already beat him. I'll beat him again. Yeah, I think that he just, he's only looking at how he beat him the first time. He's not looking at the improvements Max has made, or he just thinks that Max's striking is not as strong as it he as Max thinks it is, because like we were when we watched the the Holloway Ortega fight, it took him a long time to finish Brian Ortega, who again showed he had a chin and huevos rancheros to oh, stand God. in there and take all of those shots. But he didn't put him out, and that's still saying something. All right, then maybe Conor is not a big-headed, idiotic uh, sort of blowhard. Maybe he's a lot smarter business-wise than we realize. Let's break this down. Are you ready? Connor was at the, what, the St. Patrick's Day Parade in Boston? Or was it Chicago? Chicago. Chicago. I can't keep up with him. Well, he gives an interview and he drops that he is in negotiations for a possible July comeback for UFC. So that sort of goes against the idea of he's just out there getting arrested, not trying to fight. Dana did say that Connor, the only fight he keeps talking about is a Habib rematch. Well, he's not going to get the Habib rematch right now because Habib can't fight again until at least July. And has already said he's not fighting in Vegas again. So it's probably more like a fall thing. So if you're Connor wise, do you see the quickest path to getting Habib is by trying to get Max Holloway into a quick turnaround? A guy he's already beat. A guy who will not take him down, mind you. A guy who will strike on the feet. A guy who couldn't finish Brian Ortega's giant huevos, as you mentioned. Maybe Connor goes, that's a great style matchup for me. And if I win that, I'm the interim champion. You can't deny me a Habib fight, which is the only fight I want. If that's where his mind actually is, then this is a pretty smart uh, sequence and routine he's going through. Yeah, that's it's the only way that makes sense because, yeah, like you said, Dana wants to keep telling people Connor's only interested in a rematch and he needs the quickest path to that. Now, we thought 
going into the last few weeks, that was a fight against Tony Ferguson. But of course, now we'll get to it in a minute. Tony Ferguson's going through his own issues. So if if what you said is true, then yes, I I agree. That's the only way he's going to get a Khabib rematch. It's also, to me, one of the ways that you get past Holloway in terms of legacy, because we talked about it after Holloway beat Ortega, where they rank each, where would we rank those three in the 145 like all time? Ortega, or oh, wait, Holloway, Aldo, and McGregor in terms of what they accomplished. I mean, if he beat Holloway now, then that is saying something for Conor McGregor's own legacy. Oh, it'd be incredible. You know, and the same thing with if, if by the way, Holloway could lose to Poirier in theory, and he's yep. already beat Poirier as well. But yeah, legacy wise, at this point, that's a monster win for Connor. This is interesting. I think I went from late last week going, oh, Connor arrested again, man. He's not the same dude anymore. Where's that eye of the tiger? Well, what I've seen since then is showing me that it's coming back a little bit. And if Habib stays out to the fall, Connor's the last man standing out of that group. Wow. Wouldn't have thought that. Wouldn't wouldn't have guessed that. It's just interesting the road we've been on lately. Of first it was you know Connor pulled out of Cowboy Talks because they didn't want to make that a main event apparently, and in, in in which seemed idiotic because of Connor's uh, star power. But uh, if we can get him back in July, that's that's monster. Can I just say though that we've been doing this podcast for what four months now together. I'm so sick of booking these fights for these guys. Just get them in the damn octagon already. <laughs> Well, uh, this such oh God, such a deep and amazing division with this odd bottleneck at the top. The top two guys are suspended. The other top guy, Tony Ferguson, now we don't know when and if he's going to come back after the news this week. And just to wrap up quickly, his wife filed a a uh, restraining order, a domestic violence restraining order against him in Southern California, uh, claiming a bunch of things, claiming. First of all, one of the things that came out was that the police were dispatched to their house like an obscene amount of times over the past 14 months, all for reasons that paint Tony Ferguson, you know, allegedly as as mentally unstable. And look, we all know he's he's crazy, like in a fun, let's promote fights type of way. This guy's crazy. He takes punishment. Listen to his off the wall promos that he gives on microphone. He's amazing. Well, no, like this paints a, a almost a madman. And then the the alleged uh Showing up at his in-laws' house, pushing people out of the way, stealing his two-year-old son, and then escaping by foot in the rain, leaving his car and cell phone behind, son not even really fully clothed, and then just ditching. That's that's all pretty interesting. And I know he's since subsequently trying to come out with tweets that sort of quiet it down, say, hey, we all have problems. Uh, we can only speak to what he's alleged here, but... uh Man, that's really tough because there's a fine line in this. We love craziness. We love toughness. We love trash talking. We sort of love this, but Tony Ferguson's been on a hard road, and these are some some really rough things to get accused from wise. Yeah, it's just one of those things where I really hope he's getting the help that he needs. This is the kind of stuff, though, that just kind of shocks you and scares you because Matt Hughes just had a similar thing with this. And what everybody wants to say immediately is CTE and brain damage because, well, obviously Matt Hughes has his own issues because of the train train wreck that he had. But this is the kind of odd behavior that you see from athletes that 
are going through a lot of brain issues and you see you we we saw it a lot with football players in the last few years in the last couple of decades so if that is the case i really hope tony gets the help he needs and we don't see him back in the octagon soon because that's the kind of stuff where if you get more repeat damage to your brain i I, that scare it's scary and it may not even be that it may just be you know we're a lot more woke in this day and age to mental illness and some of the stuff that his wife is accusing him here if you really read the fine details on it i mean him like thinking there's you know bugs inside of his skin and like you know meaning uh chips you know chips inside of his skin and people spying on him like it's just like there's a lot of there was a lot of crazy stuff that came out of the the uh allegations there and, and you just hope that he's mentally stable you hope that it's not affected by or escalated due to the head trauma in the sport here's a guy who's 35 now man to be to get that habib fight four times and then never actually get it to be on the cusp of a title shot so many times to get the interim title to have one more freak injury last year and then brendan turn it around in like record ass time put in a fight of the year against pettis and now be in this spot that's a tough that's a tough career arc there I'd much rather see him away and getting healthy and come back in one piece and finally get his opportunity. But yeah, let's let's take this slow. And luckily, it seems that UFC is, uh, from all all accounts, jumping in and being a, a big help right now. If we didn't see him again, would he be on that list with Dan Henderson and Damian Maya's biggest name or not biggest name, but best fighters to never hold the UFC title? I would have to think so. The run he's been on has been incredible and. You'd like to see more big names on there than there is, but it's still pretty damn impressive. He never did get that one that one key breakthrough win that, that a resume needs, but uh, that's as close as you can come to winning a title and, and not actually doing it. Man, you know, I'm torn. I want to see him back, but I don't want to see him back. I want to see him get to where he needs to be. But, uh, wow, this is, a, this is a dark game. And uh, speaking of that list, Brandon, of people, the ultimate bridesmaids, Michael Bisping uh, cracked that code, ended up winning a middleweight championship late in his career, and now he's the number one, the first on the list of the 2019 Hall of Fame class that, of course, will be released in July at International Fight Week in Las Vegas. Just so you know, UFC has no real rules. They're rec- they're they're almost more reckless than the WWE Hall of Fame, where who gets in and why and when doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. People get in like right after they retire, but Bisping retired officially last March. He's now getting in. Um, do we have bittersweet feelings on this? I feel like you and I are in the minority here where we don't think he actually deserves it. And a lot of people do. Well, and I'm still so confused by that because it's like, guys, the Hall of Fame is supposed to be on resume. It's not about a con- like being the first British champion. Like, who cares? His yeah. resume sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's tough. It, so first of all, there's no real standards. So, but if we're we're comparing this against if this was a Hall of Fame with actual standards, like MLB, like the you know, like the like the Baseball Hall of Fame, which seems to have the toughest standards, right? The Pro Football Hall of Fame has good standards. Pro Basketball one, no, because it's it's not even Pro Basketball. It's just the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame. But, um, I could see where he could get in because he did win that championship that put the put the you know the final bell on his career but here's the thing he's got two big wins in his career two knocked out rockhold you cannot take that away from him in the rematch he won the championship he did 
It it made the whole career make sense for being a career bridesmaid and never being able to get over that final hill. And then he before that, he beat Anderson Silva. But the thing is, Wise, he didn't actually beat Anderson Silva, all right? I thought that fight should have been stopped with the flying knee, and I thought he lost on the scorecards, but that's fine. His title reign? What'd he be? He beat 46-year-old Dan Henderson in a title fight that shouldn't have happened, and he almost lost. He almost got stopped twice. You look back over his career, yes, there's the consistency. Yes, there's the what a great trash talker, hardworking guy, great for the sport. Yes, when he retired, I think he was tied for most wins in the UFC, and he's up there in all those categories. But Wise, who the hell did he beat during his career? He's lost to every big name. Tell me now, outside of Rockhold and Silva, and I'm not saying they don't matter, because he may get in anyway if this Hall of Fame was real just because he won the championship and he's done all these things and won, and won 20 fights in the UFC. But let's be really honest. Let's call that up. Who the hell did this guy beat? Tyus Latus. C.B. Dalloway. Alan Belcher. <laughs> Brian Stan. We like Brian Stan. Jason Miller. Jorge Rivera. Joshihiro Aikama. Well, Akayama, sorry. Sorry, don't be smart, Sexyama, please do not. <laughs> Chris Lieben? I mean, come on, man. Uh, I mean, it's Dude, a, it's a this sign. is the thing. No, 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 hold on. This is the thing. When you think of Michael Bisbing's UFC career, what's the one moment you are going to remember? Uh, getting knocked out by Dan Henry. No, well, I mean, it would have been getting yes. knocked out No, by but I, I mean, for me, anyway, that's what I'm going to remember. So if that's your biggest a- accomplishment... <laughs> I say with air quotes, like, how is that a Hall of Fame career? You didn't not like like you knocked out Luke Rockhold and you were one of the biggest underdogs to ever do that to win a a title. That's a great accomplishment. That doesn't make you a Hall of Famer. If that's the case, then Holly Holm is going to be a Hall of Famer because you knocked out Ronda Rousey. Congratulations. Then you went one in five. Like. Yeah. So Holly Holm, if that's the case, then she's a Hall of Famer. I just don't think Bisbing deserves to be in the Hall of Fame when his biggest accomplishment is getting knocked the F out by Dan Henderson. <laughs> well, his biggest accomplishment is finally winning a championship. We can't take that away from him. But uh, it's just the sort of thing, like, I love the numbers and all that, but we, we made a little bit of joke, but, like, those big wins. It's like Matt Hamill, Chris Lieben, uh, uh, Mayhem Miller, uh, Brian Stan, <laughs> Kung Lee. It's okay. And I know you add Anderson Silva and Luke Rockhold to that, but it's just not doing it. And I, and I, amazingly, some people are going to hear this rant and be like, what are you, crazy? I love Bisping. The guy learned how to tuck his chin. It's not open for debate. Uh-oh. The chin has to be tucked. Ask any striking coach. Karen, you're very good at reading the teleprompter. We are the fighters, okay? Wow, you think, think he told Karen to go in the kitchen and make him a sandwich. That was, that was a little, <laughs> that was a little uh, borderline right there. But the point is... um. Yeah, I'm mad that he knocked out Rockhold at the point where Rockhold was going to become the, the biggest non-John Jones star in the sport. All right, maybe that was wishful thinking from a Rockhold superfan. But uh, all jokes aside, congratulations to him. He is a great personality, great broadcaster, a great trash talker. But, yeah, that's tough. That's tough. I mean, 11-7, and, and seven, Matt Serra wouldn't have made my Hall of Fame either. But he got in last year. That's a weird Hall of Fame, the UFC. <laughs> well, let's look at it like this. If he actually beat GSP, then I wouldn't have any issue with this. But he got his ass kicked. (laughs) Like, plain and simple. He lost that fight. And if he would have beat Anderson Silva, 
before Anderson Silva exploded his leg and then had to go on a year suspension for USADA? Maybe. But he that, that these are all the factors that go into it when you look at a person's resume and it's just, it, it glaringly lacks big wins. It really does. It but whatever. Um you'll see him there in July. All right. What what's that card gonna look like right now? That international fight week. Could we see Connor on that? Could we see DC against Brock on that? What's your guess? I know you we hate booking the territory every week and then no one of these fights actually happen, but that they gotta go big for that one. They have to. My hope, well, first of all, if it's Connor, Connor's the main event. Because like he said, like what was rumored was that Connor refuses to be a co-main event. He's the big show. So if it is, then that means Connor versus TBD at this point. I mean, I like Holloway. I like the idea of Khabib, but Khabib can't fight. I just don't want it to be Connor against Cowboy in the main event on of fight week because that that to me that just doesn't feel like the big fight of the year. You know, like July is supposed to be the big fight of the year. So my hope would be it's either DC it's DC against either Brock or John Jones. I hope, and then you just kind of stack and fill in the rest. Like hopefully Robert Whitaker's healthy enough to fight at that point, and he's fighting Israel Adesanya or Kelvin Gastelum. That would be a lot of fun. Um, what Kel- Maybe uh, Jose Aldo's back, <laughs> if depending on what goes on with him and Alexander Volkanovsky. I- yeah, I mean, look, we're going to see. So the Rosnami Yunus fight against Andrade will be UFC 237's main event. Doesn't Shevchenko have a title fight date for Jessica I? Or if, or if they don't, I mean, that's not the. That's that's the one at June. That's the, the 238. Chicago. Yeah. All right. So this will. <sighs> It's tough. I hope they blow it out, though. I hope they make TJ, it. TJ, maybe TJ Dillashaw. Um, Cejudo. Or Cejudo. T- or TJ uh, Marais. That could be something. That could be interesting. Yeah, that's going to be a fun card. They're going to make that matter. They're going to make that work. Uh, any, anything else in the news cycle this week? Oh, the news that happened before we started recording. The ESPN is now owns all pay-per-views for UFC. I don't know if you saw that press release or not, but... ESPN Plus is now the exclusive home in the U.S. for all UFC pay-per-views starting with 236 in April. So does that mean that Facebook and UFC Fight Pass will no longer be any doing any form of undercard fights for at all? Uh, I, I tried to read that press release a couple times to understand what happens with Fight Pass, but ESPN Plus now owns all of the all of the card. So why even need a Fight Pass account anymore, you know? That's interesting. That is, it's weird. It is weird, but there's so much money involved for the UFC. It seems to make sense. What I didn't get was that extra factoid. Can you break down what the extra factoid is on the price now of the pay-per-views? Oh, man. So if you do not have an ESPN Plus account right now before this fight in April, the pay-per-view for Holloway Poirier is going to be $80. It comes in – it factors into the price of your account, I guess, for ESPN Plus, but it's going to be $80. If you already have a plus account, it's still the standard sixty. That's weird. I hope to, I hope to God that's not like every pay per view is going to be eighty. It's just the first one, but that's a lot more money for one pay per view just to get it because you now have it on plus. Yeah, I, I don't necessarily like where that's going. That's going to be interesting. I, I really need to read that in depth and see what that's all about and see how that plays out. But ah, oh, man. You know, when you see something like DAZN coming around, and I know in boxing, and of course DAZN does Bellator and Combate and MMA, but in boxing, DAZN was sort of like we're, we're killing pay-per-view. You know, like pay-per-view's dead, 
sign up for the zone nine 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 a month. And it's like, it's crazy if that model can work. It worked in the WWE for the, for the WWE network. You know, they took that big gamble of taking away sixty dollar pay per views and hoping that everyone would sign up for ten bucks. If that's the future, man, and it could be, and boxing sort of fighting against itself. Some people are doing more pay per views than they should. But yet, DAZN's got all these big stars, and now they're rolling it out for nine ninety nine. I don't necessarily like the idea that UFC's now going in the opposite direction. Can we just get a uh, like? I don't know, man. I mean, this is UFC's bottom line. This is their business. It's their backbone. But it, it used to mean something, right? Why is it used to mean something two to three times a year, where you didn't mind paying as a fan, you didn't mind having a party at your house because that fight was so big, I had to see that on pay per view. And then UFC sort of followed the WWE model of like, well, we'll do a pay-per-view every month. If those prices are going to start getting up to boxing prices now, that's rough. That's rough. I mean, the Mikey Garcia fight this weekend was $75. That was, to me, that was crazy because neither of those guys had really been pay-per-view stars before yeah, even. That, you, that was certainly a questionable – we haven't seen the numbers yet. And I, and I thought it was awesome that they did get 47,000 people in that dome because it's obviously a great fight. But, that yeah, that was a questionable pay-per-view fight on paper, meaning if if there was larger budgets on, like, Showtime at the moment, that, that would have been a great, a great Showtime fight. But, yeah, that's that's tough, man. That's that's tough. Uh, I'm a hypocrite, though, because well, I don't think you want to hear this wise. You're a hard, you know. You're a, a good fight fan. You've paid for pay per views. I've never paid for a pay per view in my life. You're the worst. In my like, life, in my life, I've had either an illegal, illegal box, or <laughs> I've worked at ESPN for twelve years. Worked at CBS the last two and two years. You know, expensing pay per views. Never bought one as a fan in boxing or MMA. What about? So what about have you ever gone to a bar to watch a fight? Yes. So that I mean to me that's kind of like you're paying for it cuz you you suppose you're supposed to have to buy at least a drink or an appetizer to keep your seat. Okay. Okay, I guess that's an argument there. Cuz technically like I didn't buy 235, but I watched it at a Dave and Buster's with some friends. Was Michael Chandler there at all? No, he was not there. All this right. was in DC. All right. He's always on the commercials, I don't know. So I was just <laughs> All right, hey, let's get into uh, this weekend. This is a, uh, I don't want to say a good-ass card, but a good-ass main event as UFC invades Nashville with UFC Fight Night on ESPN Plus Saturday, I believe. Saturday, yes. Uh, Heck of a welterweight main event here when you're talking about Stephen Thompson against Anthony Pettis moving up in weight. Style-wise, name-wise, love everything about this. The question, though, has to be, is what are we getting with Pettis right here? Wise, 32 years old. We know he's a former lightweight champion. We know hit a three-fight losing streak after losing that belt. Started on that path of alternating wins and losses, which has now gone on for three years. There was the dip down to featherweight unsuccessfully. Now he's moving up. Coming off fight of the year against Tony Ferguson. Is this desperate? Is this smart? Is this a reinvention? The heck is this? Because I love the fight on paper. I think this is more reinvention because he's always hated the weight cut anyway. I think this is a fighter getting older, thinking, I still can do this. I just need to move up a little bit, maybe keep a little bit more muscle, maybe don't hurt myself as much in training camp. I can kind of just grind through it. But it's a tough fight. Like you said, man, like Stephen Thompson, I don't view him as being like, 
overly great in anything. Like he's a karate guy. That's awesome. But he hasn't finished anybody in a long time. He's got a lot of gross decisions on his, on his resume now. And maybe Anthony's like you said about Mikey Garcia last week, maybe he's just crazy like a Fox to move up here. Maybe he sees something in Steven Thompson's game that he thinks he can expose. And Hey, I'm here for it because Anthony Pettis, we kind of wrote him off before that Tony Ferguson fight. He looked so good at 155, and he was so fluid, so smooth. I thought he was going to finish Tony Ferguson after he dropped him twice. (laughs) So I'm hoping we see the new version of Anthony Pettis. I just hope for his sake this doesn't get sad. Like if he loses this fight and then ends up like losing a couple more (laughs) Like the legacy that Tony that Tony Ferguson that Anthony Pettis has is such a good spot to be like the first UFC athlete on a damn Wheaties box. Yeah. But if he ends up with like a twenty and 13, 21 and thirteen record at the end of his career, oh boy. Yeah, I mean, I look back at that run. Of course, we remember after beating Benson Henderson to win the WEC lightweight championship. Still one of the best MMA fights ever. It really is. That five round fight was insane. We know he lost his UFC debut to Clay Guida, but that run he went on, beating Jeremy Stevens, Joe Lozon, Donald Cerrone, Benson Henderson, Gilbert Melendez. That's insane right there, winning the UFC lightweight championship along that way. The fall-off's been, been hard, but it's like, what is he going to be at Walter Way? Is he going to be a brawler? Like, he went out, he was willing to empty what was left inside of him against Tony Ferguson. He saw an opportunity there, right? He could have, like, catapulted into the title picture when he was really on the outside looking in. Took his chance, went for it. But what is he going to be at welterweight? Uh, just a reckless brawler? I don't know, man. I don't know what to expect here. Yet on paper, I love this style matchup. I just don't know if the size is going to be too much for him. If Thompson's just going to be able to can keep catching him coming in and pick him apart. The wrestling showed a little bit better in that fight against um, Michael K- uh, Chiesa. And I think if he's able to have that kind of success on the ground, we might see a different Anthony Pettis here. I think Anthony kind of at this point is playing into the style of his opponent um, because Chiesa wants to wrestle with you, and he wanted to prove that he could out-wrestle the wrestler, and he did. And then he got into a brawling match with Tony Ferguson and nearly finished that off. So if he gets into a fight like that with, with Stephen Thompson, I like his chances more. But if Michael Th- if Michael Tom- if Stephen Thompson st- starts doing the karate moves again like he did against Tyron Woodley where he's just kind of waiting outside on the outside waiting for a shot in then we might be in for another boring fight because Steven Thompson's liable to do that when he's just trying to outpoint you CC the Darren Till fight even because even the Darren Till fight he was afraid of, of Darren Till's power so he just stayed on the outside and tried to to outpoint him I, I hope I mean that's his style like he look he'll be a boring fighter if you don't press him yeah that's the problem so that's why I, this fight could be fun because Pettis is going to press him the thing is, will it get depressing if he keeps walking into stuff? Because Thompson's the worst guy to try to overwhelm like that. Yeah, I just don't see that happening. I think Pettis will be smart enough to not get baited into one of those kinds of fights. And if he does, he's not going in for punches. He's going in for a takedown. So I I think Pettis, I mean, I'm picking with my heart more than anything here. I think Pettis wins this fight just on points by being able to, to ground and pound on Steven Thompson. Wow, that's a what? bold pick here. I, I'm just, ne- I have never really been impressed by Stephen Thompson's skills. Like, it's great, but it's, it's great. No, it's he's great. never, 
It's never great. beaten anybody of no, right, man. Beat the, look, what do we start the show doing? We start the show saying it's all about Jorge Masvidal. He beat the bags off of Jorge Masvidal November 2017. You and I were there at MSG. That was a clinical performance. In his next fight, I thought he beat Darren Till. The two fights before that, really close fights with Tyron Woodley that could go either way. The six fights before that, he won them all. It's been a long time since Matt Brown beat him in 2012. Show me where this guy's not the same guy. Although, don't look now. We kind of forget this about Wonder Boy. Not a boy anymore. Dude's 36. Oof. 36, yeah, I forget bro. that. I mean, he beat 13 loss Jorge Masvidal now. Just remember oh, that. Oh, stop. You can't start. <laughs> you can't do that. You cannot do that. Uh, but yeah. Hey, prove me wrong. That's all I'm saying. I want to see him be entertaining. That's all I want. I don't want to sit through another fight night card where I'm just sad and I'm half falling asleep because the fight's taking too long to get to a finish. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I I, I don't think I, I have to pick Stephen Thompson here to win a five round fight. Uh, it's just going to depend on how how on how aggressive Pettis wants to be. It would be interesting if he does take Thompson down though. I, look, I think this could really be a fun fight. I'm hoping it will play out that way. I'm picking T- Thompson by unanimous decision. I think. Pe- I got to believe Pettis has got a little bit more than to just walking down, coming traffic and get finished here. I hope we can see a smart turn for his career, but we got a heavyweight co-main event. That is interesting. Curtis Blades coming off that knockout loss in the rematch to Francis Ngannou against Justin Willis, who is, you know, big pretty. I don't love this guy, but we haven't seen him lose yet in the UFC either. Lost his pro debut, has won seven in a row, all four of his UFC fights. He's a WSOF veteran. Could this guy be a sleeper heavyweight contender here, or is Blades just going to land him for three rounds? Where are you, where are you leaning here? Uh, yeah, I hope he's something. I mean, beating Mark Hunt was kind of impressive. That fight he had with Chase Sherman, too, he just looked like the better fighter, and now Chase Sherman is no longer in UFC, by the way. Um, Great tweeter, though. Yeah, He is. Um, yeah, I... I am worried that this is going to be a boring fight, to be honest with you. I, I'm i excited about this card, but it's like, eh, the whole thing is just kind of a lot of bleh to me. Yeah, yeah. It's, Montreal's John McDessie, who you were hanging out with on your honeymoon, he'll be in this <laughs> card as well. But uh, uh, Well, no, we got, uh, we got Macy Barber again. Well, yeah, let me get to that in one second. There's a flyweight fight. So does this tell you that the flyweight division is still around if we're going to see Juicy A. Formiga against Devison Figueredo? Figueredo? <laughs> I just butchered that guy's entire name. I know who he is. I know this guy. I know this Brazilian, but um, uh, unbeaten. This is going to be an interesting matchup. But what does this mean more for the future of the division? Can we can we pee or get off the pot here? UFC. What are you doing with one twenty five? No, we're just going to straddle that line. We're not going to make a decision on either side. We're going to keep hinting that it's going away, but we're going to keep putting out random flyweight fights like this. Oh God. <laughs> All right. Um, I guess Formiga could get himself. I mean, look, this is a tough matchup. He's fighting against a guy who's unbeaten. This is three in a row, though, for Formiga. He sort of snifled Sergio Pettis' title hopes at 229 with that unanimous decision last October. Uh, I guess, in theory, this could produce a future title contender, or it might not. It could produce both of them unemployed. But Figueredo has been – this looked really good. Yeah. I'm, I'm hoping Formiga shows something, but – I mean, it's hard to argue with the deviate. How did you say it? Deviason? I, I want to say Davison. That sort of is very Americanized, right? Yeah. Davison. He's 15-0, and 0, so he's got something there. It's just 
is he going to be strong enough and entertaining enough to to get up to like a top five contender? All right, your your broski uh, wacky Luis Pena's on here, right? Weird Bob Ross, he's back, right? The featherweight, violent Bob Ross. First of all, how did he become my boy? Just because I like Johnny Walker Red doesn't mean I like all the weirdos. <laughs> He'll be facing Steven Peterson. Uh, I want this guy to be something. Everybody wants this guy to be something. Um. I guess it's a decent opportunity. This card, uh, I feel like this is going to be like a set an alarm when the main event's on type of card. For most people, yeah. it's. I mean, it's kind of like what London was this weekend, right? Like, there wasn't a whole ton to, like, look forward to except for the main event. Well, they're smart putting uh, Macy Barber a little bit further down, so you have to kind of tune in because I know this is Brett Okamoto's favorite fighter, man, because he's glossing over her every time I see him writing her on the screen. I, what, what else can you say? What, she's like 15 and she's amazing. But no, seriously, <laughs> she's, uh, she's a pro, she's a prodigy. She's a, she's a monster star in waiting. Is, did, wasn't there some quote where Macy Barber said she's like John Jones, Anderson Silva, and Conor McGregor rolled into one? I mean, she's a confident person. Women's flyweight going to be fighting JJ Aldrich. I'm here for this. I'm here for the Macy Barber experience. She's rough and tough. She goes to finish people. See what we got here. Just don't fast track her UFC. Let's do this right. Yeah, that her last fight was when I think she gave that quote that you're talking about, and she was violent in that fight. So hopefully, there's some more of that in this one. Just 20 years old, out of Colorado, six and zero. There's an it factor. She certainly has that it factor, and it's and it's not an it factor of looks, even though she is a good looking girl. It's more of just an it factor of a. Somebody who gets it, but somebody who's violent. It's somebody you mix, you know, somebody who's so aggressive and goes after it and seems to have known at a young age that this is what she wants to do. It wasn't something she fell into. She's calling herself the future. It's bold. It's bold. Yeah, that's bold. We've got another Thug Nasty alert here. All right, what do you got? Bryce Thug Nasty Mitchell. He's a 10 and 0 featherweight who's fighting in the fight before Macy Barber. He's only 24. He won on the UFC, uh, the tough finale, tough 27 finale. I want to see what he's got. He's 10 and 0. He, he's got a little bit of spunk. Uh, I'm in. I'm here for this. I'm good. I'm ready. Let's do I'm this. Just, I'm here to get rid of a lot of the thug nasty nicknames. All right. All right. By the way, Violent Bob Ross, I knew he had lost recently. I was there for that. I, or no, I wasn't there for that, but he had lost on that UFC Denver 25th card when he lost that decision, split decision to the uh, Ultimate Fighter winner, Michael Trezano. So he's going to have to bounce back from that. Um, I'm I'm down. Look, I'll, I'll be here. I'll tune in. I'll watch it. I'll check it out if your guy can be the – can Bryce Mitchell. Who's I mean, who's going to be the star of this undercard? Who's going to be the one we talk about next week? That's what I want to know, all right? It's probably going to be Macy Barber. All right, take that. Angela Hill. Well, you know my women's strawweight rule. They All the <laughs> fights are great. They're all great. All right, let's get out of here. Uh, Bellator also on Friday. 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 It's in the zone also on Paramount Network with the double stream. It's Bellator 218 from the Windstar World Casino in Thackerville, Oklahoma. The heartbeat of Bellator in the heartbeat of America. Do you care, Hairwise? Featherweight main event, Emmanuel Sanchez against Georgie Carcanian. Do you care? Georgie's replacing mm. Ashley Grimshaw. I don't care. I don't care. Uh, no. I don't care. The only fight I care about on here is Linton Vassal. He's in the co-main event. of a. He's a heavyweight now. I didn't even know that. He moved up to heavyweight. Good Lord. 
He's, but he's a trainer at my at my boxing gym. Lynn Vasai, he's a good fighter. I got nothing against him. He's a good light heavyweight. He's 35 years old from England. He's got the back-to-back losses, but they're to Bader and Phil Davis. You can't hate on that. Yeah. There's a whole lot of bleh on this card, too. He beat my guy, Ramu Terry Sokaju. <laughs> Gerald Harris on this card. Good Lord. All right. That Some of those names that you make up. Sometimes they just sound like computer-generated options yes, on that. Yes, yes, they do. <laughs> yes, they do. That's going to do it. All right? No more, no more, no less. But black folks love me, man. Black girls love me, too, man. I get hit on by black girls all the time. I'd be like, oh, I'll be showing, I'll be showing my nipple. I'll be doing my nipple dance. Remember those days when, when uh, Rampage would just do completely uh, inappropriate things all the time? <laughs> I miss Rampage. He's yeah. so funny. He's so fat now, but that's the truth. That's what it is. <laughs> Uh, all right, next week we will not uh, fantasy book the Conor McGregor territory. Let's just wait to see if this guy actually comes back. But no, seriously, the idea of him facing the winner of Poirier, Max Holloway, sign me up. That's probably a best-case scenario for UFC. Wow. Best wishes out there to Tony Ferguson and family. Get well. Turn this thing around. Special thanks to Brandon Wise at BrandonWise65 on Twitter. He's back. He's back in the fold this week. Please check out our other offerings on the State of Combat this week as we break down the Errol Spence Mikey Garcia pay-per-view on the boxing show and continue down the road to WrestleMania 35 on the pro wrestling edition. Brandon, I know you get down with WrestleMania. I know you do. I have. So you said you have never paid for a UFC pay-per-view before. I have never watched a wrestling pay-per-view. Not even illegal streamed. I used to, when I, when I was into it, when I was a kid, I would just like, find out the next morning on raw what happened or the next night on raw what happened the night before not a good fan not a good fan i'm not i wasn't that'll that's it that's it we're we're gonna have to go uh follow us on the twitter webs subscribe tell your friends all that good stuff enjoy the fights this weekend nashville we out